7.03 p.m. Two games into the Knicks versus Cavs series tied at one apiece. Good one for you guys last night. Uh, I think we, we scored a bunch in garbage time to make the the differential a little more respectable. R- really, it was a ass weapon on your part. Yeah, I did I that. guess by um, your part and on my... Yeah, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> I feel great about what I did out there. Um, Should. (laughs) um, I think, you know, the first thing that needs to be mentioned, of course, is the uniform matchup so far. Good, good call out. Yeah. Because in game one, they're wearing that, you know, darker blue, more navy-ish uniform that that you're you're a fan of. Mm -hmm. Um, Kazarin White, both games. and then Knicks went black in game two, which you're not a fan of that one. And, you know, uh, seeing it in the game, you don't really get the blue. It gets hidden in the black. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, it's just like a black and orange team out there. And uh, so I have to agree that it's, you know, not not a, not a great look for them, even though I don't mind hearkening to those, yeah. uh, those, those days when the Knicks had black in in their primaries um right oh yeah we haven't seen the classic blue yet no i think that i i have a feeling that's coming game three Mm. and um it is it is always cool to see one team in black versus one team in white were you surprised at all that the Cavs, after a subpar performance and a loss in game one decided to go back to the same jersey in game two you know a little bit i would have expected them to maybe to maybe them put on the black at home uh but i don't mind it i like i like the white and i think it uh i think you know the mentality mattered more than the yeah than the laundry this, uh, is, this is a dumbo in the feather situation <laughs> absolutely yeah. Do, is, I, i'm actually not 100 percent sure how it works but i always assumed the the because it's no longer at, at one t- point in time the home team always wore white and the away team won their primary color. But I think it's just the home team just chooses and then the away team has to do something that's not the exact same. Right. Um, and I'm not sure the exact like regulations on it because obviously there's a lot more color versus color matchups yeah. in in the last decade or so. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there needs to be a sufficient amount of separation. I think the worst we've gotten are like, an orange versus like a red. There or was something. a game like that, and yeah. it, there and the the refs made one of the teams change at halftime, and because they were they couldn't <laughs> they were calling fouls on the wrong team. There's there's a I think it was like Buffalo versus the Jets had a game that was like a color rush and it was red versus green, 
and it was like you're killing the colorblind. Yeah, that's yeah. not what's happening. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, for the colorblinds, white versus a primary color is always easy. Um, but I guess like a dark color versus a light color will work. Like, I mean, and, obviously the Lakers historically wearing their their gold at home, mm-hmm. and that's been muddled by the current mess of Nike uniforms. But um, but like that's obviously classic, and you know, you know a Lakers home game with them in gold and the uh, Celtics in green. Right. That's a that's a beautiful color versus color. You got you got a and like you know it's a bright Kelly green, but you know it's dark enough to yeah to contrast. And as we've talked about, I think the Knicks in blue could go against the Cavs in red. And maybe we see I think, that. I think that would work quite well. I think, yeah, red and blue, there's enough contrast. And uh, and it's a brighter blue versus a darker red. I, I think I think that could be a good-looking game. And maybe. if that's what they think game three, I'd be happy with it. That might be game three. Because I, I have a feeling it's going to be the Knicks in the classic, in the their association blues on on. <laughs> On in game three, that's what I'm hoping for at least. So aside from the white jerseys, what was your biggest takeaway? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, from game two specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest takeaway. I think the it's it's hard to pick one because there there was a lot for me to like in game two, but I think the biggest was seeing the shift in mentality. I think. Um, defensively, they did a good job in game one, um, but there was certainly more physicality, more urgency, more desperation in everybody's effort on in game two for the Cavs um, because it was, you know, they're immediately in a must-win situation. Um, and so uh, and so, I think you saw a difference in the mentality there. There was a shift in mentality for the supporting cast, like obviously – going from a game where Mitchell put up like 38 points in a loss versus uh, a career high in assists and a win um, is a big shift. And, uh, and I think the adjustments that JB Bickerstaff made with limited, fairly limited options in terms mm-hmm. of like sure, certainly trusted guys off the bench to make adjustments, like um, have to have to, you know, doff the old cap to him uh and you know we'll see how how tips responds in game three yeah um yeah the first the first thing of note in the game that happened uh was okoro started he gets two early fouls yep and has to go to the bench for foul trouble at that point i think the knicks were up 12 to 4 and in my head i'm like this game's over (laughs) (laughs) and look at it in I didn't uh, tweet that to the world, but yeah, I, so I, I really thought like, oh, wow. I wasn't feeling good. Like, yeah, yeah when it was like, as soon as it went 10 for, I was like, how are we letting them, you Do know, this again, throw the first punch again? I'm mad. And um, we didn't see a Coro again. And I don't know yeah. if we will see a Coro again. And, you know, uh, leading into the series, he's dealing with uh, like a bone bruise or something along those lines. Uh, so he's not. Hundred percent, and I think it's affecting him. I think it might be affecting his confidence on his shot more so than his defense, even. Mm-hmm. But um, clearly, you know, in game one, he was like zero for four from three, so he wasn't offering anything on the offensive end. He's not really 
much of a ball handler. So it's just kind of a liability on offense. And uh, the defense wasn't really the problem in game one. There were, you know, there were things to adjust, but, uh, but it was about scoring and, and having a better team effort on the offensive end. And so taking a quarter out, putting in at the t- immediately it was Osmond, I think that mm-hmm. came in and, you know, his role is just to be a floor spacer and to keep the ball moving and things like that. Um, but then it was Levert and, uh, and his, his complete, you know, change in terms of effectiveness on the court that, uh, created the biggest difference in this game from the first one, which was the Absolutely. the bench scoring. Like you guys, I think it was like plus 23 in the Knicks favor in the first game. You have a deeper, more talented bench, I would say, but Levert, uh, who was really bad in game one, uh, showed up in game two and uh, who's just hitting really good shots, setting guys up uh, in that first quarter. He, uh, I will, he finished the first quarter by hitting a three to take the lead. And then uh, I think it was at the half, he had a slick, you know, behind the back pass to Allen for an easy dunk that gave us a 20 point lead going into the half. So it was like, he was uh, just a a massive part of the momentum that we had in this game was uh, seeing the Levert that we've been seeing in the the second half of the season. Like he, he'd been playing better. And so in game one, it was like, Oh, okay. I guess it was out of line. Was that where we set up? Um, So it was good to see him again. Yeah, absolutely. He, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think who is more of a difference maker, him or Garland. And it might've been Levert just cause when Okoro was out there, Brunson was just sagging off of him. And they were trying to just hide Brunson on him, which is a little weird because Brunson's not terrible on defense, but he was able to, on any pick and roll they did when they were trying to attack Brunson, Brunson was able to just basically go under and let the, let, and let the uh, you know, either Garland or Mitchell's defender just fight through the screen. And... And if they tried to beat him with that by like passing it to Okoro or Osman, didn't make him pay. But Lavert made him pay. And um, yeah, and I do want to talk about Garland, but on yeah. Lavert, yeah, let's take on Lavert for a second. Also on the defensive end, he was getting the assignment on Brunson a lot, and he was far more effective. He has he has a good length, and he's played good defense this season overall, and uh, he's. He's uh, focused his efforts there because he knows he's in more of a role-playing situation as opposed to needing to be that 20 points a night kind of guy. And um, so putting him on Brunson and also throwing some more doubles at Brunson, uh, I think really kind of threw the Knicks offense off balance and forced them to find someone else to, to run things and, you know, Barrett wasn't really doing it. Uh, quickly didn't have a good night. Grimes didn't really have anything going. Right. Quickly was, in the first half at least, he just looked lost. And he looked lost in game one, but they were able to, to win despite him. There there was a possession, I think, late in the second quarter where he had the ball down low, and it was kind of just, like, up to him to isolate. And he just, like, got to a stopping point where he didn't know what to do and threw the ball away. And I think Mobley or somebody intercepted it. 
he ended up getting a few baskets in garbage time. Hopefully that's enough to help him get going in game three. But yeah, he was no good. I don't... Barrett, is his shooting has been terrible, but he at least got to the line a few times. And this is, seems like a weird thing to say as we're going we're gonna to talk about Garland, who is amazing, and Barrett when he was... The when when Mitchell was also on the floor, Barrett would be tasked with defending Garland. I thought did an okay job on him. He definitely did in game one. Even in game two, it's hard to say you did a good job when the guy is scoring like 30 points. Um, but he made him work for it, and a lot of those were on like just crazy athleticism step back threes, which was yeah, eye opening for me for someone who doesn't watch Garland every day. He oh just had maybe the game of his life uh, and and but but I can't blame Barrett it, it's more I think the the bigger problem was just New York's offensive scheming they just didn't do anything to get good looks so we'll see how they do that how they take yeah. care of that in game three yeah for for Garland um first of all I think the difference in approach by Mitchell his focus shifted to setting up other guys and using his gravity to open things up for Garland rather than being the only focus of the offense. Like game one, Garland didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter. He had one assist in the whole game, if I'm not mistaken. Like that's that's garbage. It's <laughs> and and, he, and that's not the guy he is. Garland is usually a uh, focus on setting other guys up. Um, but when he's go, when he's hunting for his own shots, that like it's. Uh, it's great to watch because he has uh, he, he's incredible at like changing directions and changing his speed. Um, he just gives like a little hop and then, Oh, all of a sudden he's going the other way. Um, and he does that the same with his step backs. He's, he's so good at just like setting up a little hop and, and a, a perfect, beautiful stroke. Um, and he was just, he was on fire. And I think uh, it was helped set up by, by Mitchell trying to like, pull people his way instead of just hunting for himself. Um, and it was, it was great to watch. And the fact that like Mitchell had an, uh, an efficient game on like 11 shots. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't like, it was like, we were up like 17 when he finally took a three, like it was an entirely different uh, approach and uh, it was great to watch. And, and I'll also throw in for Garland defensively he does not have the strength or the length to be elite on that end but he has been better each season as a defender and i think statistically i don't have a source to back this up but i believe i read somewhere um <laughs> so maybe it's bullshit but sources <laughs> but, say but sources say that um statistically he is among the closest defenders in the nba because he's has such good feet and he sticks with his guy really well now he doesn't have the strength to stop him if they're going to the basket and they're bigger than him. Um, they can shed him potentially that way, but, um, but he's really good at like just being pesky and being up on guys and it's a playoff. So you got to give everything. And so I think we're seeing more consistent effort on that. And, uh, and he looked, he looked really good defensively um, uh, on top of his, you know, 32 points, um, which is, what you need to see, you got an undersized backcourt. That was the question going into the season. Can they make it work defensively? And obviously the number one, like number one in that rate or not that rating, but defensive rating, it has worked, but 
there's still a lot to prove in the playoffs and um, defensively again, don't think it's the problem for the Cavs as much as uh, rebounding, which was a lot better this game and uh, executing as a team on offense and not just, you know, hoping that Mitchell can bail you out because you can't do 70 every night. No. <laughs> They did, they, yeah, they even, like, it seems like they ran some action for Garland in the first half, especially, like, in the second part of that first quarter. And, yeah, Jared Allen was setting some really good screens that Mitchell, as soon as he got some daylight going around that screen, he was he was shooting and hitting. And, yeah, uh, yeah no one on the Knicks was able to cover him except – one possession, I don't know if you noticed, at the end of the third quarter where um, it was clear it was like the last possession of the quarter, the Knicks oh, yeah. couldn't deuce McBride. Yes. And he was able to guard Garland, and Garland missed a shot with McBride in his face. I will that be was int- something, but like, I, there, there, I, I saw some online comments that did make note of that possession. Yeah. But they were frustrated that like Garland was hot, and he was the hot hand, and... I don't blame him for trying to take a shot there. Um, but like he was getting like smothered pretty well and he could have he could have set somebody else up for the final shot. You had you had Danny Green and Mitchell on the floor. It would have been probably smarter to to get the ball moving because he had enough time to to get a, a better quality shot than that. Um yeah. and so yeah, that was a that was a great defensive possession by that young man. <laughs> but picking nits for <laughs> that's picking nits if you're a Cavs fan after that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But it will be interesting to see if if the Knicks do decide to use Deuce McBride a little bit more if they want to shut one of these guards down. I, I don't think they will just because they kind of have a good rotation going and they just need to generate offense, and McBride's not known for his offense. So I, I, I do think that the change we'll see, if, if there's any sort of change is in Game 3, is going to be what New York does offensively. Um, sticking with those two guys, Garland and Levert, would you say this was, I guess first, was this the best playoff game in Garland's career so far? (laughs) Um, out of two? Yeah, for sure. Is it just out of two or did he have some last year? Last year was just a couple play-in games. That's I don't know right. if you count they, those. Yeah, yeah, I don't count those. So they, they were both missed... losses. Uh... He he played he played well, but he was the offense, so like he was going to get his numbers. Yeah. Um, but out of his two playoff games, was this? Yes, his best out of his one two ever? playoff games, he definitely <laughs> had his best one last night. Okay, um, and I, you know, and that like, you know, you hope uh, that they that a guy can have like a special debut. Um, and neither Mobley nor Garland, I felt, had that in game one. They looked uh, like they were a little shook by the level of physicality and the pressure and the and the big lights and everything. And so for them to settle in a bit and, you know, Mobley offensively is still not really there. I, I don't think he's hit like an outside shot yet. He hasn't um, looked really good when like going to one of his moves around the basket. If he, you know, when he gets set up and can dunk it, Fantastic, but otherwise, um, we haven't seen much of his bag in this series um, so far. Um, so, you know, if he if he can provide a bit more, I think the fact that Garland's not going to have a night like that every every other game, and and certainly Levert is not going to look that good every game going forward. 
um, I think that could alleviate some of the the dip from that. Now, was it Lavert's best playoff game of his career? I don't know his history in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know been... either. But let me let me let me let me check. Oh yeah, pull it up if you can. Um, but uh, like that was, I mean, that was probably one of his best games of the season. Certainly, highest pressure situation. The only thing that compares um, would probably be that early overtime game against the Celtics where he and Mitchell both put up 40 to win. Uh, but that was like November or something. So like completely different ball game to an actual playoff series. Yeah. I was going to ask you if, if it's, if it's Garland's best game ever and maybe given the circumstances it was, but he, cause he, but he did have that game this year where he scored on, I think he dropped 50, right? Or close he dropped, to, a, he dropped yeah. a 50 uh, game against the Timberwolves. And he was like trying to will the team back into it and ultimately fell short. I think Mitchell was out that game and the Cavs were down like 20 at like early on. And it was like a, it was a, it was just him trying to will the team back into it. And obviously like that's a great individual performance, but they still like, lost, right? But, but yeah, this would be his best game. It's, it's okay. the playoffs. And, uh, okay, we got Levert here. Yeah, we got Levert. He's had, um, so, 11 playoff games, and this is not his highest scoring. Ah. It, and it's not even his highest game score, which is some advanced magic by basketball oh, reference yeah. here. Um, but it was it was certainly... A diff- he was maybe a, more of a difference maker in these other games, mostly losing efforts... He was, yeah. I think, yeah, these games, for, this must have been the bubble year in 2020 yeah. for Brooklyn, where they got swept, it looks like, by Toronto. And he, I, that, I think Kyrie sat out the bubble. Durant was still hurt. So he was basically their only weapon. And it looks like he had a 35-point game, uh, minus 20, and a plus minus. Yeah. I he, think, yeah, in terms of winning impact, Hard to say that last night wasn't his best. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't, you know, if he was the the main man offensively, obviously in that uh, desperate loss in a game four of a sweep, um, you know, comparing that, I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain that he was not uh, providing the same level of defense as he did last night. No, yeah. And I'm sure, as you said, like an actual winning effort and and yeah the other thing about Cleveland is with Okoro only playing two or three minutes they're basically seven deep besides yeah. besides for garbage time so Levert played 39 minutes and would have played more if if it didn't go down to garbage time he he was just certainly imp- more impactful probably than he's ever been yeah. i think it was like about 37 minutes for Garland about 40 for Levert, about 40 for Mobley, about 40 for Mitchell. Um, and I'm, I'm not surprised or even really concerned. Like, they're young guys. It's their first time getting burned in, in big matchups like this. Um, and we don't have a deep bench. Yeah. So, like, and the fact that that seven deep includes Danny Green is... That is fun. Uh, uh, and that... Um, 
He got he got that one three. He yeah. had another one that he would have had if he hadn't stepped out of bounds. Right. Um, and he wasn't <laughs> I, I I'm curious if like they'll target him more if he gets minutes in game three on the defensive end, because like he's not a hundred percent. He's not the guy that he was. Um, right. And he's and playing he as basically the four. Yeah. Yeah. I so. wonder if they'll try to make sure Randall's out there during those times to just bully ball him. Yeah. I feel like that would be probably a smart route. Like, you know, pick, uh, obviously, uh, Garland's a more favorable matchup than other guys on the floor, but he's, you know, tenacious and pesky and has good feet. Whereas like, I don't know. Yeah. go after the old man. That's trying to get his <laughs> legs under him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's the, it's, it's the one sl- silver lining I was able to take away. It's just that it, it's very abundantly clear that Cleveland is not deep and uh, hopefully if this is if this is a long series hopefully we can outlast them we could outlast you and yeah that would that would be definitely the strategy obviously you gotta you gotta take care of at least one of these at home um and for the Cavs, the job is to steal at least one of them and i would hope the mentality is to come back to cleveland with a chance to uh put it away and fulfill Mm -hmm. the destiny of my Cavs and five prediction right yeah, otherwise but, you're going to look like such an idiot. I look like such a moron. Um, <laughs> it's probably not going to be that. Um, it will probably go six or seven, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, if if Tibbs pl- uh, presses other buttons, that uh, JB can find something. We haven't seen Lamar Stevens in the series yet. Um, mm. He looked like garbage the last time he was in the rotation against the Knicks at that last regular season matchup. Um, but he's a guy that you could potentially plug in at the four. Um, and he's not, uh, you know, offensively, he's not really providing much, but it's kind of like, okay, if our core isn't working, maybe, maybe Stevens can bring something. Um, they took Wade, Wade did not get any minutes in game two. Um, you know, there's, there's still guys that they can try out, but yeah, there aren't like, it's not like Boston where it's like, how many, like we have, yeah, three or four guys that aren't getting minutes that could be on a in a playoff rotation for like most other teams. Right. How'd you feel about uh, Mobley's defense last night? I know his offense; he still hasn't really bro- breaking out yet. But I mean, defensively, he looks a lot more like himself. Like that was a, I think, a, a confidence building game. I think, um, I think him and Allen both were. Uh, more focused on the rebounds and there were still struggles like Mitchell Robinson, especially early in the game, I felt like was still getting good position on things. Um, but there were a few possessions where like there, there was once where um, there was uh, it was an offensive rebound. So not so much on the defensive end, but uh, Mobley came in and like poked it away for Allen to be, you know, by himself under the basket with the ball. Um and uh yeah like i can't i can't think of like a lot of specific mobley defensive plays but um i mean the knicks were like what the third rated offense in the league this year or fourth at least four 
I'm not sure if it was fourth for the whole season or just since they since December kind of thing. Right. But yeah, they were they were up there. They're really good without and even being a great shooting team. Yeah, and uh, they scored ninety, and they got yeah. a, a fair amount of that in garbage time. And that ninety, I believe, was like the second lowest of the season for them. Um, and you know that's that's what it takes. We like the whole the whole philosophy is defense first and and grind it down. Uh, uh, basketball and. Um, and Mobley's the key to that because he's so switchable. And yeah. uh, obviously when Allen is on the floor, you have, you know, you have somebody to back you up for rim protection and things like that. So Mobley can take more chances and, and uh, be focused on like stretching those long arms out at three pointers and things like that. Um, and overall in both games, the core four of Mitchell Garland, Mobley and Allen have played well together like in terms of like the plus minus has looked good for them um but individually i don't think like i said offensively mobley is not uh looking like himself yet hasn't arrived in the playoffs yet um and uh you know you you gotta find whatever whatever tibbs does next you gotta find what what will make it work in terms of the rotation yeah, it's kind of exciting. I haven't been, it's been a long, long time since the, the Knicks had a relevant playoff series where it felt like this is a team that should or could very much could win. I don't count two years ago. And just, it's, it's, it's fun to be in a series where, okay, where I'm thinking, okay, what are the adjustments for next game? Um, so first of all, Mobley, the Knicks, the Knicks were doing a lot of their normal ISO ball stuff, which which Brunson is so good at. But when he got into the mid-range, it clearly Mobley was messing up his game. Um, so that's not going to work the same way. So I will be interested to see what they do. I th- uh, did, did you notice that one play? I, th- I, I must have it in my notes somewhere. Um, buh, 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 buh. I don't know. I think it was in the second half where they did some sort of pick and roll and were able to get the ball to Mitchell Robinson. And he was like surrounded by no one. He was like at the foul line and yeah. just, he just stood there like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Cause he's put the ball on the floor maybe four times in his life. <laughs> so I, I do notice also just in terms of spacing that like whenever they put like Robinson at the top of the key, for whatever it's like weren't like there there is a there is a big gap between him and then and the and the Cavs yes. line basically yeah they like the two of them drop back uh i mean someone's there on brunson but yeah they they know you don't have to worry about robinson getting the ball up there or possibly shooting for god which he would definitely never do <laughs> so i do wonder if we'll see hartenstein more because of, he has some offensive versatility and can actually dribble and pass out of it. Uh, I mean, and especially in game one, he was effective against yeah, probably. And, and, uh, and I, I think the performance of the bigs going forward is going to be really key um, as to like, who's going to be able to take this thing the distance. 
Yeah, who's who's gonna bring home the bacon? Now this is presumptuous, but let's say hypothetically, yeah, Giannis is you know his injury is more troublesome than anticipated, and either a hobbled Bucks or a upset Heat make it to the next round. I mean, that makes it even more interesting what's mm-hmm. going on in this series because. You have a Knicks team that I think could take the heat and, uh, you know, has has some depth um, and has youth. Um, and you have a Cavs team that has a lot to prove, not as much depth as we as we discussed. Um, well, we well, we still haven't seen Lamar Stevens, so who knows? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like and he's a guy that like. You know, maybe once in a blue moon, he'll hit like a corner three or something. But he's more just like an energy guy that like could potentially, you know, get you an extra possession or put up a defensive stop when you need it. Um, but there are times when he just, he does not have it defensively. And like uh, and he's probably better served as a four, even though he's been usually utilized as a three. Um, and he's him and Dean Wade are both like, uh, as I if I'm remembering correctly, they're both like undrafted guys that they were like, okay, yeah, you have energy and spunk. We'll <laughs> put you on the squad. I'm getting flashbacks being that it's the Cavs and this guy played for the Knicks too. It's probably not exactly the same type of player, but I'm getting uh, Lance Thomas flashbacks when I hear his name. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's always fun when there are those stories, when the, uh, when the guy's, when when somebody that was not a big prospect finds a way to you know yeah. make a make a career of some sort in the NBA. So to continue on what you were saying about um, if uh, hopefully not um, if if uh, if the Heat are able to upset the Bucks due to an injury to Giannis due to Giannis's back being more troublesome or the Bucks can squeak by, but still like Giannis is hobbled or can't play in the second round. Um, for, as far as the Knicks go, yeah, I think they could, I think they could win that second round series. Do you think the Cavs could? I think so. And that yeah. like, I think we, I think we'd be able to beat the heat period. And then uh, a Giannis list Bucks, I think becomes uh, a far more interesting series. Cause obviously you still got, uh, Drew and Middleton and Lopez, um, and obviously the we, we'd have to roll Rolo out there to <laughs> so that we could have some brother yeah. brother, brother action. Um, right. It's like um, there was one time where Benji Molina stole a base on Jose Molina, and exactly. yeah, neither of those guys are base dealers. And then I think Jose stole a base on Benji in the leader in that game. Beautiful. So Robin Lopez is going to be like, look, I know how to defend this guy. Yeah. I know every move he knows. I taught him. <laughs> I was born two minutes ago. I taught him everything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because, um, you know, the Bucks are a deep team with a lot, but any team that loses the arguably the best player on the planet, you're yeah. going to, you're going to be losing a step there. And, um, you know, the cat, like, I would say Mitchell would be the best player in that series. And when you have the best player in the series, uh, 
there's a good historical statistical um, uh, correlation there. So how um, I guess two questions. How first of all, like how relieved were you yesterday? You know, after a pretty bad game one. I mean, I wasn't gonna uh, wimp out. I was gonna face the music here regardless, but. I'm so glad I didn't have to come in here talking about O2 and like oh, talking about how the Knicks are going to potentially sweep my 50 win calves out of their first playoff run. Um, it was, it was a huge relief and uh, not only like, cause it could have been a win or even a, a decent win with like Mitchell going off or something, but to see like uh, the team on both ends of the floor uh, gel much better and seeing, seeing guys step up, um was a massive relief seeing that like okay garland is not um scared of the moment and uh and that lavert is uh wasn't just like joking with us so he could get a contract or anything like no no no. we get we have a squad we got guys they can play um and you know Maybe the Knicks are able to like punch him back in the mouth again in game three and maybe the environment of being in the garden and being, you know, not having the crowd on your side, is, you know, could could rattle them again. Um, but it feels like, OK, yeah, the game one jitters, you managed to, to rebound and respond in game two. And now it's now it's a series. Now go out and win it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely huge, huge relief. Um, and I'm like. More uh, of a relief than say Tums would give you after a greasy meal. Uh, I would say, yeah, I'd say it's like a a whole bottle of Tums. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was helpful, and I I will say that hypothetically, if 2016 had never happened, I'd probably be like <gasps> like the whole way oh, because yeah. I'm like. Now my, my all my hopes are pinned to this thing, but getting to have experienced that really shed a lot of uh, pent up, like yeah, that uh, you know how it is. Um, just like feeling like oh come on, like it has to happen sometime. Actually, of- I don't know how it is. I've never seen the Knicks win a championship. Well, you have. Well, I'm not, I'm saying I'm not okay. I'm not trying to throw that in your face. I'm saying you know what it's like to wait for a team to yes, be good. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, obviously, you know, I'm a guardians fan as well. Still waiting on that one. Right. So there, you know, I can relate. Um, but just, yeah, 2016 took so much pressure. And I think that maybe helped the organization as well, because, uh, you know, Dan Gilbert has also had health issues, which I think has changed the way he's operated, but he was known as more of a meddling, you know, hands-on with everything, uh, throw all the assets to get the deal done kind of owner. Um, and I think that, you know, and, and, you know, and LeBron's that kind of guy as well. So like when he was there for that <laughs> second run, it was like, everything is win now. It's like to get to manic, like Silicon Valley venture capitalists in a room together. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we should do that. <laughs> so yeah and so that was like everything was so high pressure because it's like well lebron's back and if they don't win a championship it's like the most pathetic thing that's ever happened <laughs> um yeah. and uh they were so close to not getting it at all which would have been 
just uh, so saddening for me. Um, so to get that done, to get the monkey off the back in that way, I think it helped them like, okay, we have, we have another rebuild and we kind of have a blueprint for how you can build a team. But I think there's so much less pressure and it's more just, it's more joyful, especially in the regular season. Like those, those LeBron years were fun, but also just like there was so much drama and so much pressure. Whereas now it's like, there's a young team and they're fun and hopefully they can compete. And in future years, maybe the pressure will be cranked up and maybe things will fall apart. But for now it's, we're having fun and we're seeing what these kids are made of. And that's, and that's fun basketball. Yeah. I am, you know, Dolan is a guy who in the past has meddled. He hasn't in a while. Um, Though you could kind of sense at the beginning of this year when the Knicks got off to a rocky start after a bad season last year that he was getting itchy fingers. Yeah. And he was getting ready to meddle again and maybe fire Leon Rose. And thankfully the team turned it around, and which is just great because I think, and so that gives this Leon Rose front office more time. And I think, I think this season, no matter what happens in this series, is going to be a success. And I think the Leon Rose front office is pretty good. So I'm hoping they get a good amount of time to let their plan come into fruition. And yeah, I, I think, um, I think because of last season, you know, when we were coming into this season, it wasn't a terribly optimistic outlook on the Knicks. And I think uh, you guys have shown a lot and proved a lot already. And, you know, they could potentially take this series as well. Um, and it's also a very young team. And like Brunson has, I think, proven a lot as well because obviously um, he was good in Dallas, but now he's kind of the man and he kicks ass. And like, uh, obviously his game two wasn't as good as game one, but like, like from the jump when he hit that first that opening uh mid-range shot, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Give me the whole night again. Um, you know, he's I I you know, I I knew he was good, but uh he's uh he's impressed me more than I expected. Yeah, no one knew he was um that he was like uh, you know, a primary guy who could go toe to toe with Donovan Mitchell, the way he was doing in game one, not that he's as good as Donovan Mitchell, but you know, that level of a guy who could kind of carry a team down the stretch and be the guy you trust with the ball. And obviously there's for, in terms of roster construction, the Knicks are still probably looking for another primary level star um, Mm -hmm. to be in like championship contention. Um, but the fact that you were able to bring in Brunson through free agency and not shed yes. an assload of assets to bring in a guy like Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of maneuvering in order for Kobe Altman to try to fill out the bench and fill in the role players to make the Cavs as they grow into maybe a legit championship contender. Um but, you know, we don't have, you know, yeah. a body of picks that had to go to, to getting Mitchell. So um, there's the, the cost-benefit analysis or whatever those <laughs> words are. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I was, I was 
I think I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast and he mentioned that after game one, he was like, I was so mad where he was, he was saying, I was so mad at the, at the Cavs for not doing anything about that, that small forward spot in their lineup. And I was thinking, I was thinking, why are you mad at me? It wasn't me who did it. Um, no, but the, that you're right. They just, it's not that they refused to do anything or were lazy. They just didn't have any assets to trade. Like, how are they, if they wanted yeah. to get, say, Josh Hart for that spot. Exactly. Josh Hart would be, I obviously, and again, like, he, and he's dealing with, uh, was his ankle? It, yeah. That he wrote? Um, in game one, he looked awesome. Yeah. And I, he's just like, he's the type of profile of a player that's like exactly the kind of guy you want to ride with in the playoffs. And he would be awesome in our three spot. Um, but we couldn't get him because we didn't have a first. Yeah, it took a first round pick. And obviously they couldn't do that. And that's what you need for a lot of quality guys. So. Yeah, but this offseason will be interesting because I guess they'll have their mid-level exception or something yeah. like that. And maybe either this year or a future year, they'll have a pick to trade. And yeah, uh, and we'll do something. once or, we have that or, kind of combination, maybe we can find something. I don't. I don't know uh, if he'll if he'll amount to anything, or uh, or how quickly he might be a NBA level role player, even if he does. Um, but I do know there are some Cavs fans that are really hoping that uh, this Australian kid Luke Travers, who was a sta- uh, a draft and stash, oh. uh, that he might be able to come over and become like a Joe Ingles type. <laughs> That's a deep cut. This is uh, this is the type of thing you only know if you're if you're deep in Cavs Twitter or whatever. Yeah, you gotta yeah. When you're when you're like, okay, we don't have any assets, so yeah. I can't make realistic trades on Fanspo. So how do I <laughs> how do I come up with a perfect roster? Well, I invent the idea of one of these second rounders turning out good. <laughs> That's my move. That's the move. Yeah. He's plugging in hypothetical guy, just like uh, non-injured just, Dylan just get, Windler. Yeah, or get like Max Struess from the G League. Get your version of Max Struess. Yeah, find a Max Struess. There's going to be more and more of them because they've, they've really been pumping up that G League. Yeah. Too, they, there's too many players for too few teams. All right, well, I'm... Um, I'm a little, to be honest, I'm a little nervous. I, uh, I really, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous too. The Knicks, I think, will respond in in Game Three. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think after that performance in Game Two, it's hard not to not to be nervous about yeah. the momentum in the series. Yeah, the and, and just that their offense couldn't do anything, and I'm I'm a little worried. Like, I know they're gonna probably try something. I don't know if that'll work. So that that that's going to be the story of game three. Um, just we could fit we could hit on some of the other series. Sure. Uh, do you think Draymond should have been suspended? Um, you know they cited uh, his history when they gave the suspension, and um. I think there's been discussion about the kind of precedent that that sets, yeah. but um, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to he's say. He's not a guy that's it. earned the benefit of the doubt 
it did not help that he goaded the <laughs> the crowd afterward. Yeah. Like if he had and like I don't know, in, in the moment looking at the replay, even as someone that like I'm a Cavs fan, I have no reason to defend Draymond Green. Um but like it seemed like Sabonis was grabbing it at did. the leg. It definitely was. And Green's little stomp hop thing felt almost like he was starting and then was like, oh, I got to get off. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like a ploy to soften, to make it seem like he was softening the blow or if he legitimately was like, I'm just trying to get away from you. Um, I thought so too. Uh, It's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, this stuff keeps happening. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff keeps happening with Draymond. It's hard to defend him what he did. But I also did in the moment think he didn't put all of his weight on that foot, which would have seemed like, like it. But a lot of people have been like, it's a clear stomp. Yeah, he didn't like, like it wasn't like a curb stomp. He didn't like stomp. He was just like his foot set was his on. Teeth on the hardwood. And yeah, then he didn't do that. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I, I did think he was trying to not pull put his full weight. On Sabonis, but I don't know. It, it, that probably doesn't feel good if you're Sabonis. But you know, I, what? I do hope the Warriors win. On, yeah, go the ahead. Kings are awesome, yeah. and they won both their games, and now they get a chance to maybe, maybe go in to what's their what's their arena Ch- now? Chase is the it Chase, Chase Center? It's no longer Oracle. Yeah. Go into the Chase Center and maybe sweep the defending champs in their first playoff appearance since 2006. That would be pretty sweet. And I hope it happens. I do. I'm, I am hoping that the Warriors win game three just so, cause this has been such a fun series. And so like the, the the stomp suspension isn't the story and Mm. that we get a series again, but the Kings are fine. I think that's fair. I'm, I love, I can enjoy a series in four games. Yeah. (laughs) Can I give you a preview? Uh, I haven't done any Photoshop work, but I'm thinking of okay. a jersey for the Kings for next season. Okay. I mean, it's got to use the beam. So it's just like a black jersey representing the night sky. And this involves the shorts. So like starting from the crotch seam of the <laughs> some purple vertical stripe coming up from the crotch. And then on the booty, it yeah. says light my beam. <laughs> Yeah, and if we could work in, you know, you know, like those those shoes with the lights in it, and it just kind of like flashes. Yeah. Now they, we're talking. The Kings at some point did have like a half and half jersey. I can't remember if it was like purple and black. Yeah. But it was like split down the middle, so they could do something. They could like do an homage to that. Right. With the beam worked in, the <laughs> beam is, is awesome. The, the vertical cutting line is the beam. Yeah. Yeah. That could that could work. Mm. I'll be happy to. I'll be excited to see your mock up when yeah. it's ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's that series. We talked about Bucks. War uh, Bucks Heat. Nothing to really talk about with Boston Atlanta besides that oh. Boston's killing them. Yeah. That one's that one's actually that's a, get your broom out. Yeah. Quick mention. Before you get your broom out, or after you get your broom out, uh, so 
you know, a lot of people shitting on Trey Young, deservedly so. Is that the Knicks fan? <laughs> uh, I I don't think if, if he becomes if he gets if if Atlanta is willing to put him on the market, and it's yeah. definitely at a time when his value is very low. So I don't know if they should. I don't think the Knicks should be involved because there's there's no fit with him and Brunson. That doesn't make sense at all. That'd be silly. But I do wonder if it is a good buy low opportunity for some team because he is so offensively talented and his pull up threat is just otherworldly. So I wonder My, yeah. if people are too down on Trey Young. I mean, I, I it's hard to say because I don't you know follow him that closely. I think there are you know yeah. even before the Hawks started looking bad post that Eastern Conference Finals appearance, like. I think there were some maybe underlying numbers that said like, oh, he's maybe not quite the three-point shooter people think he is and things of that nature. Um, but he's such a great playmaker and he does have a lot of talent and he knows how to get to the line. My first thought, and I don't know if they would go for it or if they want to you know, push it at this point, but like the Nets just got some picks. Ah. Nets need a playmaker, or, you know, to... to put their guys around. So that was the first, that is the first one that comes to mind for me of like, you know, maybe, maybe they make that move. And then like the Knicks and Nets already, there's animosity. So why not get Trey involved? And now it's, now it's a real, uh, yeah. The Nets, the Nets just got rid of, you know, those two guys that made them the most hateable team in the league. So why not go back to being hateable? It would be an interesting it could be an interesting team because it's now it'd be Trey as the primary. Uh, it, it would it could destroy the value of Mikhail Bridges, who's been great since that trade, right? Um, but he's probably not meant to be. I don't know. I was gonna say he's like the one B instead yeah. of the instead of the one himself. You know, and, and then I you, think- you just surround you're surrounding Trey with all these really long switchable three and D guys yeah. and, and Nick Claxton. It's, it's, it's a fun team. Could, uh, be. Could be, could be. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're the package that the Hawks would want. And I don't know if the nets are even thinking about that, but right. I mean, they have no incentive to suck. So right. If they, if they see a good deal to make the team, you know, a playoff team again, uh, or I guess they are in the playoffs, but they're mm-hmm. going to lose to the Sixers. Right. There's that series. Um, yeah. Uh, we did it. Yeah. Pass it off. <laughs> um, yeah. Like that was, that was just the first thought that came to my mind. Cause I think That's I've heard thought. like Utah or like a few other teams mm-hmm. that like would maybe think about it because they have the assets and could make take a swing on it. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, all right, in the West, uh, what series do we got? We got Suns Clippers. Who are you taking Suns Clippers real quick? That's a toughie. Um, yeah. Talk about no depth. The Suns. <laughs> like, I think based on the way they've played so far, I would want to, in the series, I would want to say Clippers, but like, uh, going into it, I would have said Suns, and 
Uh, so I'm just going to stand by that for no real reason because I don't mm -hmm. know enough to like be that informed. And also like it's Kawhi versus Durant. So like, it's just, it's already, it's just a good series period. Um, and uh, God, Kawhi Leonard's so good. Yeah. And like, I don't know. He's like someone that feels like he could have been out of the league by now because of the way his injuries had looked and the fact that somehow he's been revived and preserved for specifically this is kind of great because um, we could have lost out on it if, if, if it was a different era where he had to push himself too much. <laughs> he invented load management. Oh, yeah. Perfected it. Really. Yeah. If he, if he, and like, you imagine if the Clippers managed to like go all the way, like get Paul George back next series or something. Yeah. Go all the way. That'd be wild. Good. And then what then a resume. Even, yeah. So you'd have three championships with three different teams, probably three finals MVPs. Although a Russell Westbrook finals MVP would be the funniest <laughs> story ever. I would. Okay. The, yeah, the Clippers finally winning a title and Russell Westbrook winning finals MVP. That's that's a timeline I wouldn't mind living. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I want to live in that time. So for that, I'm going to take the Clippers. Okay. Uh, Den Denver or Minnesota, I don't think there's much to talk about. Sadly, no. I, I, I'm glad the Timberwolves got their shit together well enough to get into the playoffs and not just bomb in the play in not after just that. give not just end up being a lottery team and winning it for utah yeah uh good lord and the like the way their regular season ended with the gobert punch stuff like it was just like good lord <laughs> um and i want i want them to figure it out i like i've liked the timberwolves i have a i have a good friend shout out to lucas hines who's a timberwolves fan mm, and i want lucas i and i wanted uh and I wanted like the cat go bear experiment to work because I just think it's fun when teams zag. And uh, mm. so far, it's been weird, and it's really unclear as to like what do we have an ant. Like, is he get is he one of those guys? Because sometimes he looks like one of those guys. I don't know. I guess we won't find out this year, but yeah, let's see. <laughs> and then finally, Lakers, Memphis, who are playing right now. Let me get you a score update. It, uh -oh. It looks like, first of all, well, Memphis is up 28 to 19, surprisingly, okay. while John Morant is not playing. Mm. Uh, but they are up 28 to 19. And I mean, with John ja not playing, I would have said the Lakers should win this series. I still will pick the Lakers. But come on, you guys. It's time to time to win a game with Ja out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's it's an interesting situation, and a lot of people are saying that like, you know, if they get to the next round, then they'd be playing the Kings. Yeah. So, um, and for some reason, people think the Kings are. I mean, I guess they're an easier matchup than the Nuggets. I uh, you know yeah have your if you're having you have to pick between those two basically, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I guess in terms of like who am I picking? I guess I guess the Lakers just because they're up in the series at the moment, and Jaw looks questionable, and the Grizzlies have had a weird mm -hmm. second half of their season anyway. Um, 
where while the Lakers have trended upward. Um, but you know, they're a fall away from <laughs> from being out of it in the in a hurry. So I don't know. Um and you know, I I uh I still like LeBron. I'm not like a Lakers stand of any sort, but I like him and I like when he, he wins unless it's against the Cavs. So Yeah. Which will happen in the finals this year. Yes. Cavs in yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so game three, Friday night. I I'm gonna have a weird viewing experience for that one because I have a an improv show or at Uh-oh. between eight and nine thirty. Um I think we're up last. She all should come out, the armory comedy, uh at the tank. But it's going to interview, uh, interfere with my viewing experience, and I don't know if I'm going to try to watch on my phone backstage or just DVR <laughs> it and run back here and avoid all spoilers. We'll see. That might be the better route. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, it's always tough because, like, the result is out there, and it's like, do I want to spend all this time watching a game? I know I don't want to. <laughs> the- right, right, right. The, the, I'm good the, at that. The of I'm good sport. at avoiding the spoilers. The funny thing is, um, for those not in New York, um, so this this theater that I'm at is going to be on 36th Street and 8th Avenue. So I'm going to have to, when I run home to or to go to the train home to go watch the game on delay, I'm going to be walking right past the garden. Right, right. <laughs> well, where it's going on. So you'll, Thankfully, you're, I can't see through the walls, but maybe I'll hear some roars that will tip me one way or the other. Yeah, I guess if you see a bunch of Knicks fans streaming out frustrated, then yeah. you'll know what happens. I guess the the game most likely won't be over yet. Um, so Which would, yeah, it would be an even more worrying sign in that case. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be bad. Like, I'm done with this. <laughs> Bing bong, fuck my life. <laughs> or maybe they'll be out of it. It's like, it's over. We're winning <laughs> everything. I could go home early and beat traffic. Anything uh, Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, nah. All right. Uh, hey, if anyone that is watching this that is here for me and also lives in New York, Go check out uh, your, the Armory. They yeah. have a lot of good folks there doing doing good uh, things, fun comedy. All right, and uh, yeah, stay tuned on Facebook for more live stuff. And uh, I want you to know that I hope that the rest of your days are days of thunder. That all your dreams are hoop dreams. And subscribe to Larry No Sports wherever you get your podcast.